Turn to Exodus 21. And remember that little statement there, if you're a note taker. I said that and still you took it right down. <laughs> Freedom without order is chaos. Now we got a handful of verses, so stay with me, okay? Look at verses 12 through 36. In God's word in Exodus 21, it says, He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. However, if he did not lie in wait, but God delivered him into his hands, then he will appoint you for a place where he may flee. But if a man acts, will you just highlight that statement right there? It's the whole message. But if a man acts with premeditation against his neighbor to kill by treachery, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. And he who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He who kidnaps a man and sells him, or if he is found in his hand, shall surely be put to death. And he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. If men contend, if men contend with each other, and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist, and if he does not die and is confined to his bed, if he rises again and walks outside with his staff, then he who struck him shall be acquitted. He shall only pay for the loss of his time, and he shall provide for him to be thoroughly healed. And if a man, and if a man beats his male or female servant with a rod so that he dies under his hand, he shall surely be punished, notwithstanding if he remains alive a day or two. He shall not be punished, for he is his property. If men fight... And hurt a woman with a child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows. He shall surely be punished accordingly as the woman's husband imposes on him. And he shall pay for the judges what the judges determine. But if any harm follows, then you shall give life for a life, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for a hand, foot for a foot, burn for a burn, Womb for a womb, stripe for a stripe. Now, this is where we end at the end of this message. Just kind of remember this. The whole text is basically, let the punishment fit the crime. Just remember that thought. 26, if a man strikes the eye of his male or female servant and destroys it, he shall let him go free for the sake of his eye. And if he knocks out the tooth of his male or female servant, he shall let him go free for the sake of his tooth. 28, hang with me, church. If an ox gores a man or a woman to death, then the ox shall surely be stoned, and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be acquitted. But if the ox tended to thrust with its horns in times past and has been known to his owner, and he has not kept it confined, so that it shall kill a man or woman, the ox shall be stoned, and his owner also shall be put to death. The animal and the owner pass. If there is imposed on him a sum of money, then he shall pay to redeem his life. Whatever is imposed on him, whether it has gored a son or gored a daughter, according to the judgment, it shall be done to him. If the ox gores a male or female servant, he shall give their mastery 30 shekels of silver and the ox shall be stoned. You remember this verse from last week, church? And if a man opens a pit, remember this has... 
doesn't apply to anybody except for these people in Samuel, remember? It says, if a man opens a pit or if a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls in it, then the owner shall be, of the pit shall make it good by him. He shall give money to the owner, but the animal shall be put to death. Last few verses. If one man's ox hurts another so that it dies, then they shall sell it the, the livestock and the ox and divide the money from it between each other. And the dead ox they shall also divide. Or if it was known that the ox tended to thrust in time and its owner has not kept it confined, he shall surely pay ox for an ox. Punishment fit the crime. And the dead animal shall be his own. Let's pray for our time together. Lord, I pray for the next few minutes that we have. Lord, as you know better than us, life is busy. Life is stretching. Life is hard. And we all come together at this time that we call Sunday to sing, to give, to teach, to learn. Lord, I just pray that you remove all distractions. You let our young to our senior feast our eyes, feast our ears, feast our hearts on your holy word. I pray that we leave here closer and more full of the spirit, no matter what season that we are in. More than we entered this place. Thank you for your word, your son, the church, your song, your grace, your mercy, your gospel, Lord. We thank you for your church. In your precious name, amen. Now, I want you to remember last week. Remember last week, because we said the, the book of the covenant was hard to wrap your mind around. You just got a taste of it, right? It's hard to read that many verses and really stay plugged in or really understand how it applies to your life. But it was really important that you heard last week's message and that we spent about a month and a half in the Ten Commandments. That's, that's God's bird's eye view. Ten Commandments summed up in two. Jesus says it in Matthew. Love God with all of your heart, your mind, and soul and treat your neighbor like yourself. Love one another and what the Ten Commandments do in those few verses, it bleeds and flows over to the next ten chapters in Exodus in the Book of the Covenant, which is basically how to apply these Ten Commandments into everyday life. And so do you know where the beauty of the Book of the Covenant is? As I made that joke, if you're not Samuel or an Israelite, it doesn't apply. So how does it impact us? We get to see God's character so what does the people of Eastview in 2022 see of the beauty and the word and the message of the book of covenant? And that is that God cares about everything. That there is not one thing. You remember last week as we read this and you go, man, this is some strange text. Like, why is God caring? Why is he saying this? Because like a good parent, God cares about everything and so last week's message, the first thing out of God's mouth about the everyday life, he says, listen, you are no longer slaves, but do not become a Pharaoh. Do you remember that? You are no longer a slave. You are free. Now treat other people like you know it. If you are high or you are low, if you are healthy, if you are sick, if you are strong, if you are weak, if you are old or you are young, 
Treat one another in the remembrance of your salvation. You have been given grace. Now treat other people like you've experienced it. Now, what is the message for this week? I told you to highlight it. This week's message is, but if a man. Do you see it in your Bible? I see it in mine. Do you see the pattern? 14, but if a man acts. Do you see 18? If men contend, 20. And if a man, 22. If men, 23. If men, any harm follows. If a man, 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 what? Chooses not to. If a man chooses not to treat his neighbor well, there's consequences. So remember the book of the covenant is not going to personally relate to your everyday Tuesday with your neighbor. But the author of Exodus 21 is still the author of your life today. And the message is no different, even though the circumstances might be. So treat one another in the remembrance of your salvation. You are not a slave. You are free. Give grace and mercy like you've been given grace or mercy this week. But if you choose not to, if you choose not to. So in the book of the covenant, we see that God cares about all things. He cares like a wonderful father. He cares about all things. But do you know what we see this week? That our Lord and creator, our God, is a God of law and order. Our God is a God of law and order. So I told you, as we started this little time in the next 10 chapters, that this is relatable very much to this perfect view of parenting as we go through all of the finite scripture and texts of how man should live once they're out on their own. And so we gave the example of a child going out and living on its own and the parent talking to them about it way, way in advance. And so I was thinking about like Michael who, who read, Michael, when do you go to Chattanooga, brother? Wednesday. Is your family driving you? Amen. What if on Wednesday they rolled down the window as my brother was walking to the dorm and said, hey, listen, um, we probably need to have a talk about um, waking up on time or how to spend money or people to spend time with or what classes you should take, how to live on your own. Michael would look at him and go, guys, it's a little bit too late. I'm out of the car. I'm walking. You should have told me this what? Many years ago. And so the same message continues this week in the example of phenomenal, wonderful parenting. Not only do good parents give instruction and direction to their children, but strong parents also speak to them about the potential consequences if they choose not to. And do you know what we call this? Order. Michael, you are not living under your mom and father's roof. And this is how you should live. This is what you should do. This is what you should be on the lookout for. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But if you choose not to. If you choose not to follow in the direction that I have given you, these are things that are going to happen. Collectively, guys, in the moment at Mount Sinai, this is a good picture of the church. 
These are different people in different spaces of their life age-wise. And so there were children. There were adolescents. They were college age. They were young families. They were seniors. But collectively, they were infants. Right out of the womb, spiritually. And so no matter if you were London or me, we were all spiritually kind of in the same space. All I know is chains and now I am free. And so God is speaking to all of them with the same language. This is how you should live. And so what do we see in all of these? If a man, 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 if a man. If you choose not to follow my direction, these are the things that will happen. Children need to know potential consequences even before they decide to act on them. They need to know. So what does order do in the Christian's life, in a child's life? Order warns. Order warns. Order protects. Order deters. Order shows a child just how much their parent actually loves them. And so talking about parenting... Be transparent with you guys. <clears throat> I think about parenting a lot, and I got four kids. And so, as many things that I do well for my family, I don't do well, right? It's a day to day grind. Learn from mistakes, hope to get better the next day. And so, about a year ago, between the Holy Spirit and my wife, I was very convicted over some things in my parenting. I think the Holy Spirit and my wife have staff meetings once a month to just kind of talk about how I'm doing. And so I was very convicted because as a dad, let me, let me tell you the good. And I feel like I am very consistent and very bold and very strong with my boys. Like the message has not really wavered barely a day in my life with them. They can finish my sentence most of the time. Not always the case with my girls. It's almost been like two different people. Like to the point where, where little man over here at times will look at me like, come on, man. what? Like you would have snatched my soul out of my body if I ever would have done those things, right? And I know it. And so my boys get one strike and my girls get 47. And I've noticed it. And so we're in bed, we're about to go to sleep one night and... <clears throat> Wendy uh, looks at me and we're talking about things and she goes, hey, hey, babe, listen to me. Um, you know, these little bitty princesses of yours, um, they're going to get older. And you have not been a high school or middle school or college age girl in your life, but um, they're going to go from five and six to 16 and 17. And if you don't tighten this up now, it's going to be very hard to do so when they're older. And then the Holy Spirit amened her out of nowhere, right? <laughs> and listen, there's a lot of truth to it that I see some really strong things in my boys. And, and I look at my parenting with my girls and I think I've failed in a lot of ways concerning order, consistency, discipline. Listen to me, church. Spiritually and as a parent, I think it applies to everything. When children don't have order, it hurts them. It hurts them. 
Children need to understand instruction and guidance. This is how you should live. This is how you should act. This is what the word says. But if you choose not to, if you choose not to, there's the reality of consequences and punishment of discipline. And so we've all read that verse in Proverbs 13 and we've distorted it in every single way. And I don't think you understand what's actually being said. In Proverbs 13, 24, it says, He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. And we read that and go, see, see, I should be whooping my kid, right? Physically. That's not the message. The message is not physical punishment. The message is consistent parenting. Be consistent. Take it seriously. That's what we see in the book of the covenant. I love you. I have set you free. I have saved you by grace. You are mine. You belong to me. This is how you should live. But if you choose not to, And so for my folks here that are parents, how does it work out for the parent who only wants to be the child's best friend, not their guardian? How does that work out for you? You ever met that parent? Man, you guys heard that one. You're like, amen. Yes, all right. This one right here. Y'all were listening. How does that work out? I just want them to love me. Or that parent who always says, I want to be the fun parent. I just want to be the fun parent. Why? I'm too scared to discipline because I don't want to lose stock. Because what if they start looking at me like I am the one who's always putting discipline in? I want them to look at me as their friend, as the fun one. Or how does it work out when the parent only wants to to show the kid that they are the only one that matters? And so a parent's priorities and beliefs are really unknown. It's really about what you want to do. Do you want to go to church today? Do you want to go to Wednesday night? What do you want to do? Because whatever you want to do, I want to do. You lead the family. How does that usually work out for the kid? Let me tell you, spoiler alert, if your kids are very young. It's fun for the moment. The child loves it for the moment. But man, how many times I sit across from the older version of your child and they will look at me and go, man, looking back on it, I didn't need a buddy or a friend or a coach. I needed a father. I needed a mother. I needed a guardian. I needed a protector. I needed someone to be honest and truthful and guide. And I needed order in my life. But guess what, parent? If I went home and I said, hey, guys, you can eat whatever you want, do whatever you want. I will follow your lead. You know where my kids would take us? Into the ditch. But you know what? They would only stay there for a while. Because maybe it would be one day, maybe it'd be two, maybe it'd be five. At some point, they'd be like, I need some meat. I need some vegetables. I need to brush my teeth. I need to take a shower. Shouldn't I be in school? Like even they would recognize it, right? Children need, secretly want order. 
So spiritually, no matter what your age is, like the Israelites, we are all children, children of the Lord. So he addresses them in the same way you lead or hopefully lead your children. And so what do we see in all of that text where you go, Hunter, I don't have an ox and he's not goring anybody. I'm not stoning anybody recently or coming up in the next few weeks. How does this apply to me? What does the Lord say concerning order in his children? In verse 12, he says, if you murder, if you take a life, that's not how people act and behave and love one another. They don't show violence to one another. If you do this, there will be consequences. Verse 15, if you hurt or disrespect your parents, it connects back to one of the Ten Commandments. It says, listen, not only if you hurt physically, but if you what? What, is, what did I just read you? If you curse, if you curse, if you disrespect your father or mother, there'll be consequences. If you abuse those who are under you, if you have been placed in authority in any way in life, and you abuse that, there will be consequences. If you mistreat women, there will be consequences. There will be consequences in those choices. So as a perfect father and a great parent, you and I all, no matter who you are, your age and your knowledge, no matter who you are under this roof, if you are saved by God's grace, you are all with me, children of the King. And our creator through his word says, this is how you should live. And we come in every Wednesday, Sunday school, hopefully daily in your alone time, Sunday morning, this is how you should live. This is how you should live. This is how you should live. But if you choose not to, if you choose not to, I am a God of order. You need, it's good parenting. It's God's grace by telling you that this will be the outcome. I went fishing. Um, I started seeing sermons and everything. And so I go fishing with my boys this weekend with my brother, Chad Edwards and Wes. And Chad is way more of a fisherman than I am. He is brilliant. He is very, very smart when it comes to fishing. And he says, Hunter, you and the boys want to go with me. We're going to go to Alabama and go fishing. And I said, man, praise God. My, my boys will love this. This will be great. And so he says, Hunter, I'll pick you up on Friday right after school. And so my mind starts going. I go, what do I need? Do I need a sleeping bag? Do I need a pillow? How many change of clothes? Am I jumping in the water? What am I doing here? We, do I need a swimming suit? Do I need some money? Do I need to bring some drink? Like, what do I need, Chad? And this is what Chad says. This is a great version. He goes, hey, brother, I got you all covered. I got you all covered. What you need, I am ready to provide for you. All that you need is a fishing license in Alabama. And I don't have a fishing license in Alabama, right? I'm not in Alabama. And I said, okay, that's what I need, brother. And he looks at me, we're driving. And I said, this is the sermon. He looks at me and goes, hey, I mean, I, I'm not telling you that you have to get one. <laughs> but no, if you choose not to get one and you get a ticket, it's $500. 
So as his friend, in him, in a place of intellectual and experiential experience and authority in this situation, he goes, Hunter, this is what you need. This is how you go fishing with me and have fun and live life and enjoy without anxiety or frustration or worry. But if you choose not to do what I said, there could be potential problems for you. And do you know what I call that? I call that a good friend. How awful would it have been if he didn't tell me any of those things? And we go fishing and the law comes and says, Hunters, where's your, your, your permit? Where's your license? Do you know what I would have done? I would have been like, brother, why didn't you tell me any of these things? He's like, well, I was trying to save you $35. That is not a good friend. Understanding order and law and potential consequence is good authority in the lives of people around you. Hear me out, church. God is full of grace and love. He does not run out. God is full of grace, love, mercy. He is the great shepherd and father. But his word does not waver from his commands. Consequences are real. But as children, but as children, spiritually and earthly, children don't always love order. And just because children need order does not mean they always want order in the moment, right? So what do children usually do? My kids, I don't know about yours, maybe they're farther in advance, but my kids don't high-five me when I place order in their life. And so when I was convicted by the Spirit in my wife, like I didn't go into my girls' room and go, hey guys, daddy's about to change. And they were like, yes, amen, this is great. No, this was not good news for them in the moment. But long term, man, they'll be thankful for it, right? See, in the moment, children argue it, they debate it, they fight it, they try to shape it and distort it. And it's not just early stages. This follows us all the way into our adulthood. In the moment when we don't get our way or when we don't hear what we want to hear or when people tell us what we don't want to actually act on, we act just like the children that we raise. But please hear me out. Praise God our Father is consistent. And just parent, if you got a kid in here, praise God that our heavenly Father is consistent. Praise God that he is never changing. Praise God that he is perfect. Praise God that he does not worry about our happiness more than he does our health and well-being. I thought about this this morning. Praise God our Father in heaven does not pick his battles. I thought about that this morning. And so for some of you guys, you're leaders, you know, in your secular lives, you're a leader in this church, or maybe you're a leader at your office, you have staff, whoever you are, right? And I tell you, and it's good advice, and it's good for all of us. I'm not saying we shouldn't do this. In a worldly way, it's very wise to pick your battles, right? So David Wilkins here, wonderful principal of our school, I love him. He does a great job. And every single day, you got staff and parents and kids and everybody's coming at different angles, right? And what I would tell my brother is, brother, be calm, be peaceful, be wise, be bold, and pick your battles. Let me ask you, leader, parent, child, why are we told to pick our battles? 
Why? Why do we say that? Well, what I would say is, is David Evans, with all your staff in Jackson, pick your battles so they don't uproar and leave, right? So you don't create a, a mass of frustration and anger and uproar. That's what I would say to him. But there's something deeper than that. The reason that I would tell you to pick your battles is, I don't think you could carry the weight of being authentically bold and absolute and perfect and consistent with truth. Like if every single day, hang with me, if every single day you said, I'm not going to waver, I am going to be bold and honest and truthful, and I will speak what I, ha- what I have on my mind, and I will not sway away from it in any aspect of my life. If I see something wrong, I'm going to address it, and I'm never going to blend or waver from what I have done my whole life. And you'd be alone, you'd be empty. Absolute perfection in leadership would crush you. I don't think my brother David nor me or you could carry that weight. Praise God that he can carry that weight. There's not a Bible verse in the Bible where it says, you know what, God would really rather you do this, but he doesn't want an uproar in the church. So you know what, if it makes you happy to do fill in the blank, do it. Never, ever. God does not pick his battles What you see in Genesis is what you see in Revelation. God's word never changes. Psalms 119, forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Are any of you that type of parent? I'm not. You ever look at your kids after a long night and change your mind because it's just not worth it? You're going, you know what, you need to go to bed. You don't need to watch TV. You've already had a snack, but I don't really seem like I'm in the mood to fight you for 45 minutes. Just let's do whatever it takes to end the day. You ever said that, parent? Praise God that God doesn't. That his truth and his parenting and his direction and his order and his punishment and his consequences and his discipline is perfect. He does not waver. He does not pick his battles. You don't have to flip. Just listen to the words in Psalms 102. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, and you will endure, though. So what he says, there will be an uproar. Men, children do not like order. They will get tired of it. They will buck against the system, but you will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like garments, like a cloak. You will change them and they will be changed. But you are the same and your years will have no end. Can you imagine if God acted like worldly parents and leaders? Caring more about us being happy than what's good for us or constantly changing his mind or giving 47 strikes. Can you imagine if God was that type of father? Can you imagine if God always cared about being politically correct? Can you imagine that? Do you ever feel like that in today's culture? Like, hey, I know what I should say, but I can't say. There's a way I got to do around this. I got to take a knee. I got to punt on this one. I can't say that even though they need to hear that. I can't speak. This is going to cause an uproar. I can't say no when I need to say no. I can't say yes when I need to say yes. Why? Pick your battles. What if the Bible was focused on being politically correct 
how corrupt and nasty would this world be? How corrupt and nasty would the church be if this Bible always wavered? Listen to me, church. Freedom without order is chaos. I told you to remember that. Freedom without order is chaos. It's the story of this country today. You know how beautiful it is to live in this place that we call the United States of America? Do you know what a gift it is? Do you know our history and what it took to get to where you are and the freedoms of speech and love and religion? Like, Do you know how wonderful it is to live here? This is why people all across the world are willing to go into the middle of the night and swim over oceans and crawl under fences just to get to where you and I take for granted. Do you know how great it is to live here in our what? Freedom. It's literally our mission statement. The land of the what? Free. So if that is the place that we live in, why today do we look so sick? Why does this country look so sick? You know why? It's because we don't want order. We just want freedom. And when you have freedom with no order, it's chaos. This country has become a lot of children that don't have parents and they're all trying to figure it out alone that's what we have today and so what we read in the rest of exodus 21 is that god cares about everything but god cares about if you choose not to follow his way that there's going to be order that there's going to be consequences and so like the message a few weeks ago on conviction don't run from order That's what the enemy wants for my young people that you're in school right now. And all you hear is, is, hey, listen, um, what's important is is just love. If if you're a guy and you want to marry a guy, if you're a girl, you want to date a girl, this is what marriage is. And we want to distort the truth. We all just want to be happy, right? We just want to be happy. That is not order. Do not run from order. Do not run from it. The God that we love and the God who created us gave us a way to live that is filled with blessings and love and protection. And he gives us consequences to deter from sin, to protect from sin, to guide away from sin. God is a perfect father. He is a perfect father. Stop fighting the Bible. That's something that some of you guys need to hear today. With all of your opinions and thoughts and views and preferences. Stop fighting the Bible. Stop fighting it. Because your father said so. That's what you need to hear. Because your father said so. Stop being children trying to find a way that you can eat cookies for dinner. It's not good for you. I believe this. Why? Because the Bible says it. And if I deter from it, if I waver from it, it's not going to be good. But if man, 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 but if man chooses not to, there's consequences. As we close here, this is a beautiful thing where we see Jesus in Exodus 21. The only time I'll have you flip as we start to kind of roll down the hill here. Look at Matthew 5, please. I don't care who you are. For my kids who sit on the front row to the ones that sit on the back, 
flipping your Bibles, I want you to see this. It's interesting. We talk about parenting and order. I said, for the kids that sit on the front row and my son walks out of the church. Look at Matthew 5. Look at Matthew 5. I find this very interesting. And where do we see Jesus? And even all of the texts about if your gore does this and if he falls into a pit and you should stone your neighbor. Like, all, like where is Jesus in this? It's, it's obvious. Look at Matthew 5. Look at verses 38 through 42. God's word says, out of Jesus' mouth, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I shall tell you. So I want you to understand, he's literally um, repeating what we just read in Exodus. He is, he is saying that, right? He's saying, listen, I know that before me, Exodus, you know, Moses was your guy. I know that you all looked for the coming Messiah, but, but Moses was the instrument that all of you guys looked upon concerning the law, and this is how you should live. He said, listen to me. I know you've heard all of those things because all of them knew it like the back of their hand, right? I know you've heard an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Punishment fit the crime, right, church? But I tell you, not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let them have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, guess what, church? Go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, you do not turn him away. So what we read here in Matthew 5, it almost looks like Jesus is contradicting what God said in Exodus. When you read this and you're in depth of where we are in Exodus as a church and we just read Exodus 21 and then you see what Jesus says, it almost like Jesus is standing before the church and going, hey guys, listen, I know you've read that. I know what Moses said. I know what you've been taught. Don't worry about it. But that is not what Jesus is saying. Remember, Jesus came and he said, I am not doing away with. I am not coming to abolish the law, but to what? To fulfill it. And so Jesus was not doing away with order. He was not removing consequences. But the picture of Christ in the Gospels, the Messiah who was not coming, but who came, what he is saying is, listen, the way that I fulfill the law concerning what you have read in Exodus 21 is I have stood in between the consequence and the action. Once again, the gospel shines. Let the punishment fit the crime. So how does Jesus in the New Testament, how does fulfilling the law look compared concerning Exodus 21? It's for those that are free. Yes, we are still called to order. Consequences exist, but you are saved by grace. Jesus stands in between them. And so I want you to think about your own life as we conclude here when it, come, when it comes to salvation if the law stood in that idea of let the punishment fit the crime, what would our punishment be today? Like if you were to read the book of the covenant and you were during those times and you're like, oh goodness, like if this is what it takes to get into heaven, like none of us are getting into heaven. 
Not only you're not getting to heaven, usually most of you aren't going to get to age 30. You're going to be stoned at some point, right? Someone's turning on you. You're not going to be good enough. And so when Jesus comes in the Gospels, this is the Sermon on the Mount, what he is saying is, I am not doing away with order or consequences. This is still how you should live, but you are not going to receive punishment for sin. In the midst of all of this, you receive my grace. When you seek repentance, when you seek forgiveness, you experience mercy. There is still order. There is still consequence. But instead of receiving hell... Instead of receiving death, instead of receiving distance from God, instead of receiving the absence of the Holy Spirit, what does man get? Glory. Man still received the Spirit. Why? Because what Jesus accomplished. That is where you see the gospel in Matthew 5 and also Exodus 21. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you for today. Lord, I pray as a church... That we look at our lives and we still recognize that not only at times we act like children, but we realize that we are children. That no matter how old we are, what circumstances that we are in, no matter our knowledge of salvation, if we are young Christians or older, we are still children of the Creator. And as children, God gives us order. God gives us direction. God gives us guidance. God points us in the way to be faithful and obedient. He calls us to holy, righteous living. But if we choose not to, but if we choose not to, there's punishment and there's grief and there's consequence. There's headache and death. But Lord, we pray that we all see the gospel and what Jesus did on the cross That as we read in the New Testament, we see the beauty of the one who stood between the punishment and our crime. Lord, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. Lord, let it spur us on to greater faithful, obedient living. Let us not, like children, fight order. Let us not oppose direction and authority. Let us be children to see that it is for our good. That it is for our good and for your glory. In your precious and holy name, the church says in harmony, amen.